1: but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com.
2: Hi, this is Outside In, and today I'm here with producer Barbara Paulson. And Barbara, I have to confess that I... (laughs) No matter how many times we've talked, I have yet to actually figure out where you are, like what side of the country we're talking to you from. Oh, I'm in
3: Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So what's this story that you've brought for us? Well, this story starts with this woman named Donna. Hello, my name is Donna Camille Davis. So on a November day a few years back, Donna and her boyfriend got in their car, and they drove north from their home in San Francisco.
4: So if you can imagine... On the coast of Northern California, you've got some fog, things are dewy, everything smells like the earth. feels like you, you're going to run into some elves and fairies up there.
2: This is not a real place. This is a made-up place.
4: <laughs> I know, right? It, it is pretty magical. We were finding the most amazing mushrooms. They, I think we counted seven different types of varieties of edible mushrooms from Hedgehogs, chanterelles, trumpets, black trumpets, bluets, matsutakis, no porcinis, because it wasn't the
3: time of year, but... uh, Okay, so Sam, do you know the difference between those mushrooms and the ones you find in your grocery store? I have eaten a couple
2: wild mushrooms. I think I could pick like a black trumpet and a chanterelle, but that's about it.
3: Well, then you're in better shape than I was at the beginning of the story. (laughs) But one of the things that I found is that these wild mushrooms, unlike, say, you know, your standard button or portobellos that you find in most grocery stores, we haven't figured out how to farm them. Oh, okay. So if you want to eat these wild mushrooms, and and lots of people do because they've got way more interesting flavors than commercial mushrooms.
2: Well, I guess you've got to go out into the forest and
4: find them for yourself. Exactly.
3: Not everybody can do this, so there's a
4: special quality to it. What do you mean,
3: not everybody can do it?
4: Well, not everybody would do it, let me put it that way. Not everybody has the confidence to go out there and forage for mushrooms, know what they're looking for. Mm, It's just uh, a a different breed of person, let me put it that way, that would go and do that. Okay.
2: It's like... You know, there's the breed of person who's not afraid of dying and the people who
3: who maybe are. But, you know, in this case, Donna really did know what she was doing because she'd been mushroom hunting for years. I mean, she'd found porcini's the size of her head. Oh, my gosh. But as it turns out, on that day in November, well, she kind of made a mistake.
4: And on the way home, it was, oh, man, I cannot keep my head up. This is crazy. I must be coming down with something.
3: She was just, you know, exhausted. She slept for three whole days. And then after all these days in bed, she got up, looked at herself in the mirror. And I saw that I was jaundiced I was yellow. Well, so when they told mm. you, we think this is mushroom poisoning, What did
4: what went through your head? This is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting.
2: From New Hampshire Public Radio, this is Outside In, a show about the natural world and how we use it. I'm Sam Evans-Brown, and today, producer Barbara Paulson has a story about the wild world of mushroom hunters. If you make a decision to eat mushrooms you find in the wild, you are taking a risk, because
3: poisonous mushrooms kill people every year. Which is why I'm going to try and answer the question... What is it exactly about mushroom hunting that makes people risk their lives to do it? To understand mushroom hunters, you've got to go hunt mushrooms. So, last spring, I went to the very place where Donna Davis got herself into trouble, Salt Point State Park in California's Sonoma Valley. I drive there with this guy named Patrick Hamilton.
5: So, so, if you knew me better at all, you'd really realize I am having a very colorful life. <laughs>
3: Patrick's a self-taught mushroom expert, and he's been at it for decades. He's got a ponytail and a soul patch, and he became fascinated with mushrooms back in the '80s after smoking some really strong weed.
5: I know more than they do. That's not a wild mushroom. I'm groovy. <laughs>
3: These days, he teaches groups of beginners how to identify edible mushrooms.
5: These are things that took me years to learn. <laughs> I mean years.
3: There's a steady drizzle as about a dozen of us gather in the parking lot. And before Patrick teaches us what we should be looking for, he sends us off to pick any mushrooms we can find. Okay,
5: just go look, see, do whatever you You see something fun, bring it, OK? Mushrooms grow on the ground, they grow on trees.
3: Did you guys find something? Can I come talk to you about it? I found one. <laughs> Did you get it? That's
2: so, cool. it's so shiny. I found a slime mold. Yeah,
3: this thing is really gross. We think that it might be poisonous, whatever. This I pulled off a bit of a tree. Is
2: that?
1: And I
3: don't know what it is.
2: give me some
4: of
3: that weird stuff. Some of that weird stuff. I like the technical term. <laughs> These are really really
4: slimy.
3: After 15 minutes we meet up to show what we've picked. And Patrick, he has us lay all the mushrooms out on a log. Most of them, he says, are an animal, especially this one that's poisonous.
5: Don't ever, ever eat a mushroom that looks like this growing out of wood. This is called a deadly gallerina.
3: He tells us how to identify the three or four mushrooms we want to find today. Black trumpets, hedgehogs, candy caps, and chanterelles.
5: When you find these, there's always more. There's rarely just one. And now that you know what they look like, nothing else looks like this, Okay. So I don't need to see the And then he
3: sends us us off again. Only this time, we know what we're looking for. Only it's really hard. And I'm not the only one who can't find anything. Yeah, so how are we
5: we not getting our eye in? What are we doing? Why are they finding mushrooms and you're not? Mm.
3: Patrick isn't having it. He knows that our eyes just haven't adjusted yet. We're looking, but our eyes don't know what to look for. So
5: go, so get on your hands and knees, for Christ's sake. And look up underneath them there, you guys.
3: He points to some black trumpets that are right there, hidden under leaves. I
5: saw that one right there. Oh, wow. And then that one. And then that one. They're that hard to see. Oh, my
3: gosh.
5: It doesn't mean you're a failure.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And it's weird because once Patrick points them out, it gets easier to spot them. It's like one of those magic eye books from the 90s. You know, the ones with the meaningless patterns that hide a 3D image. You stare and stare and stare and then all of a sudden, pop, there's a picture. Oh uh, look at this one. Oh, wait, wait oh. is that one? Or is it a
6: yeah.
3: Here, and here's a candy cap. So excited. <laughs> <laughs> and right then is when Patrick says it's time for us to head back just when we hit the mother load. I'm drenched by the rain, my pants are smeared with mud, but I'm crazed about doing this now. I just want more. As it turns out, there's a term for what happened to me in the woods in California. The scientists call it the pop-out effect. At first, you can't find mushrooms at all, because they blend into the earth and leave so perfectly. But then...
4: All of a sudden you see something peeking out from underneath the dead leaves and you're like, oh my God, is that what I think it is? And then you see one and then it's on. Game's on. You're like, oh my God, there's another one. There's another one.
3: Mushroom hunters like Donna call this getting your eyes on.
4: It's like that moment of going from not seeing to seeing. Holy moly, that's magical.
3: I used to work for National Geographic. So for years, I sent reporters all over the world to hang out with hunter-gatherer tribes. And when they got back, you know, their feet would be cut up and they'd be covered with insect bites. But they'd all tell me the same thing. Even though it's really hard living off the land, there is something deeply satisfying about finding your own food. And that just makes sense. I mean, our eyes are built to do this, to scour the ground for food. And every time we find something tasty, our brains give us this little chemical jolt. It's what foragers call mushroom fever.
4: You get greedy, honestly. You get greedy. You find one. You're like, oh my God, i got to find some more. And I want more and I want more. It can be an obsession.
3: (laughs) And that's exactly what happened on that day in November 2014 when Donna and her boyfriend went mushroom hunting. They stuffed bags full of mushrooms, and they brought them back home to sort through.
4: We didn't see anything unusual. There were some pieces there that didn't have the caps on it, so we tossed them out just to be safe. And um, felt we you know, had gone through them all and checked them and thought, okay, everything's good.
3: The next day, Donna got ready to cook the mushrooms.
4: Clean them, get all the dirt out of them.
3: And she invited friends over for mushroom soup.
4: The sautéed onions that were very, very soft and browned and the chanterelles that had been cooked nicely. I think I'm going to put a little pinch of salt and garlic in it and then a little bit of the uh, half and half. And I took that and I blended it so it was a puree flavor that just poured out of it.
3: The soup was... Delicious.
4: It was so good, I had a second bowl.
3: Three days later, Donna dragged herself out of bed, and when she looked in the mirror, I
4: saw that I was jaundiced.
3: I was yellow, and I thought, okay. She rushed to the hospital.
4: They took one look at me, and they they wheeled me right upstairs.
3: And the doctors asked her. Uh, what did you do? <laughs> they wanted to know what was going on. Donna told them she'd gone foraging and eaten some wild mushrooms, and the hospital had had an earlier patient who got poisoned and died.
4: So um, they immediately started the procedure for extracting uh, poison from my body.
3: And so... Did you ever think about the mushrooms before they mentioned it?
4: No, not at all. wasn't even on my mind.
3: There's a good reason Donna didn't realize she'd been poisoned, because it took a while for her symptoms to appear. That delay was actually a clue. It suggested that Donna had probably eaten a mushroom called Amanita phylloides, or the death cap. Other mushrooms can poison you, make you so sick you might wish you were dead, but it's the death cap that's most likely to kill you because its toxins work slowly. By the time you begin to feel really sick, it's got a head start on digesting your liver from the inside out.
6: There are people that accidentally poison themselves with death caps just about every year. It happens.
3: That's Cat Adams, She studies mycology at the University of California at Berkeley. She says the death cap is responsible for 90% of fatal mushroom poisonings worldwide. But despite its deadly reputation, Kat is enchanted by it.
6: I think it's a really beautiful mushroom. It starts as a cute little button.
3: And it grows up to be an elegant, mostly white mushroom that has gills underneath and a greenish tinge to its cap. But it's actually not even supposed to be in North America.
6: The death cap was never here before about 1930.
3: That's when American botanists imported certain oak trees from Europe. And it turned out that the native soil around the tree's roots was lousy with death cap spores. This deadly mushroom has been spreading across North America ever since. It's been spotted in forests from Maryland, north into New Hampshire and Maine, and on the west coast from L.A. all the way up to British Columbia. But it's especially plentiful in northern California. And with so many amateurs now cooking up wild mushrooms in their risotto, the number of poisonings is going up.
6: Because it's so common, it smells good, it tastes good, apparently. I've read a lot of reports of people that have been poisoned, and unanimously people report that it was a very delicious mushroom, even as they're dying. (laughs)
3: Last winter, 14 people were poisoned in northern California in the month of December alone. Four were trying to get high on magic mushrooms. But most of the victims were just cooking up mushrooms for dinner. One meal poisoned five people, including an 18-month-old girl. She now has permanent brain damage. In every case, a death cap was somehow mistaken for an edible mushroom.
6: There's a couple different reasons I think people might get it mixed up. Um, Some of that is that it can grow intermixed with other actual edibles. And so if you're not paying really close attention as you harvest things, you might accidentally slip one in your basket. And if that's the case, like one is enough to kill you, right? And so the, the deadliness of it makes minor mistakes much more, um, much more dangerous.
2: Was it some sort of minor mistake that landed Donna Davis in the emergency room with mushroom poisoning? And did she survive? Is there something else I can say here to ratchet up the suspense? A quick break and then we'll let you know. And I'll just let her sum up where things are at.
3: A delicious but deadly invasive mushroom is popping up between edible mushrooms, and it's spreading across North America. At the same time, a new wave of local food lovers have started foraging mushrooms as a way to reconnect with their hunter-gatherer roots. What could go wrong? The
4: whole episode of being in the hospital is another, like, Alice in
3: Wonderland story in and of itself. Once doctors realized Donna had likely been poisoned by a death cap, they asked her more questions. Like, do you have a will? Um, You need one
4: now. Do you understand what it's like to have a liver transplant?
3: Donna was in bad shape. She was throwing up the charcoal doctors had given her to extract the poison enzyme level showed, her liver was failing. And then, Donna started to hallucinate.
4: For some reason I'm seeing this path. It's like I could look down the ground there's like pebbles, clear, clear pebbles, crisp, and and a canopy of trees and I could see the leaves and the veins and the bark. And as I walked down the path, it was completely pitch black. And I thought, okay, I'm not going there. I get this. I'm not I'm not going to die, you know.
3: Because of how badly she was doing, her doctor told her she was at the top of the liver transplant list, which has more than 14,000 people waiting on it. But when a liver became available, she said no.
4: And they were just like, this lady is crazy. She must be high.
3: But Donna was right. Though her enzyme levels stayed dangerously high for several days, on her fifth day in ICU, her levels came way down. Her liver started to regenerate. And so is your liver damaged as a result, partially, or is there lingering damage? No, it's a full
4: recovery. It's kind of unbelievable, you know, it's rare.
3: This past summer, citing the rise of mushroom poisonings, the CDC issued a warning. They called the spread of death cat mushrooms a serious public health concern. And they issued a caution against eating foraged mushrooms.
5: It's that mushrooms have a notoriety, right?
3: I called up Patrick Hamilton, the guy who took me mushroom hunting. He wasn't impressed.
5: It looks like, ah, wild mushroom poisoning! Uh, I think people fall off ladders a lot more, right? (laughs) That's a much greater public health concern.
3: That analogy isn't really fair. I mean, a lot more people climb ladders every day than go foraging for mushrooms. But Patrick's right that there are very few mushroom-related deaths, only 10 or so annually. If you're a mushroom hunter, this all fits into a maddening pattern. Even though very few wild mushrooms are poisonous, most Americans are afraid of them because they don't know which ones are safe to eat. That's called mycophobia. But then when they do learn about mushroom foraging and try it out, a few get themselves poisoned. That triggers tons of sensational press, warnings from the CDC, and that just feeds Americans' fear of mushrooms. It's a bit of a vicious circle. So when people get poisoned by mushrooms, there's often this backlash against the victims by the mushroom hunting community.
6: So when you, when you yeah. see mushroom
3: poisonings reported in the press, what goes through your yeah. mind? Uh, people be- doing stupid things.
5: Really? I mean, it's like, why would you put something in your mouth and eat it that you don't know what it is? Um, in that moment, they're stupid.
3: Patrick uses that word... Stupid. ...over and over to explain why people eat poisonous mushrooms.
5: I don't know how else to explain it, Barbara. I mean, it's like stupid, 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 stupid. Stupid or stupidest.
3: So, no surprise, when Donna Davis's poisoning became public, the mushroom community was not exactly sympathetic. They seized on a detail from a news report that said... Donna had confused a hedgehog mushroom, which has these pretty distinctive toothy spikes under its head, with a death cap mushroom, which has gills underneath.
5: A hedgehog looks no more like a death cap than you look like me. I know the story. It was the most poo-pooed story by mushroom people around I mean, we more than rolled our eyes. said, oh, yes, it's really easy to mistake mushrooms. No, it's not. No, it's not. A death cap looks like a death cap.
3: The backlash to Donna's story on the internet was just as dismissive. Mushroom hunters were like, this lady doesn't know her elbow from her ass. She hasn't bothered to learn to identify the number one deadly mushroom. If you know what you're doing, you could never make that mistake. Patrick cites this old adage.
5: There are old mushroom hunters and there are bold mushroom hunters, but there are no old, bold mushroom hunters.
3: In other words, experienced mushroom hunters don't accidentally eat deadly mushrooms.
6: But I disagree with that.
3: That's Kat Adams again, the death cap expert.
6: I've read like every paper there is about the death cap.
3: Kat's done a review of the literature on death cap poisoning, and she says even super experienced mushroom hunters can make mistakes.
6: There are instances of people having collected mushrooms from the forest for years and years and years, and in their later years, accidentally getting poisoned and dying. I think sometimes a lot of people that that do mushroom hunting are scornful towards those that get poisoned as a way to sort of make themselves feel better. But I think that really this could happen to anyone. Really, we should see them as examples of the fact that what we do is inherently a little dangerous and that we have to stay vigilant always. And so I think that people should have compassion for someone that makes that mistake.
3: Donna where she thinks she went wrong that day she got poisoned and she told me it's hard to say but she figures she must have accidentally slipped a death cap into her bag of hedgehog mushrooms and while it's remarkable that she survived it's maybe more remarkable that even though her boyfriend and several friends also ate the mushroom soup that night she was the only one who got sick that's because she actually made two batches of soup one with chanterelles the other with only hedgehogs. Lo and behold, I was the
4: one who ate the soup that had the poisonous mushroom. Thank God, I kept on thinking, thank God they didn't have the same soup I had. Thank God.
3: Did you ever just like feel like, oh my God, how could I have been so stupid?
4: No, I didn't.
3: I never felt that way. It was just something that happened. Since her recovery, Donna's made changes in her life. She slowed things down she says her real mistake was that she got overconfident and that may have made her careless
4: so in hindsight okay what what i would have done differently is if we had seen you know some of the stems without the caps would have thrown the whole batch out so you still yeah. forage mushrooms oh yeah
3: yeah oh my god really yeah, yeah i do but, but i have to say that like kind of surprises me that you would continue
4: to do it after after this you know, you make your decisions. You you know how you want to live your life. Do you want to live your life in fear? And you know, a lot of people would say, oh, "I'll never eat mushrooms again," or "I'll never do that again." And I choose not to live my life that way.
2: Oh, gosh! Would would you, Barbara? Do you think you would eat a wild mushroom again after something like that?
3: Uh, well, you know, it's really funny because. Going into this, I think I have come to realize that I was kind of mycophobic, like I'm sort of afraid of mushrooms. <laughs> I did um, eat some of the ones that I foraged, but in that case, you know, the a very experienced mushroom hunter had looked them over and said that they were fine. But I, I actually think that once you learn how to distinguish some that are quite easy to identify, you'd be surprised. You, you gain the confidence that, yeah, I would. I would do that. But have you yet? Yes. Oh. Oh. On my own. On your own. No. No. <laughs> no. I haven't. <laughs> Not yet.
2: <laughs> Outside In was produced this week by Barbara Paulson with help from me, Sam Evans Brown, Taylor Quimby, Molly Donahue, Jimmy Gutierrez, Hannah McCarthy, Ben Henry, and Logan Shannon. If you'd like to see some pictures of mushrooms, we've got lots of them on our website. But please, for the love of all that's holy, don't pick and eat wild mushrooms based on things you find on the internet. Just go enjoy the lovely fungus photos at OutsideInRadio.org. And while you're at it, check us out on social media. We're on most of the networks as at OutsideInRadio. Music from this week's episode came to us from Poddington Bear, Blue Dot Sessions, and Anthony Rajakov. Our theme music is from Breakmaster Cylinder. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.